Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is our podcast for The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Uh, Becca, how long have you been producing this podcast? I've been producing this podcast for two years now. And your favorite thing about it? The extended moments, for sure. Right, because sometimes I'll interview like a big star for 25 minutes. We can only put like 14 minutes on air. Where can people get that? On The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert, wherever you get your podcasts. And who produces that? Uh, I, I help out. It's a team effort. You're listening to Comedy Central. From the most trusted journalists at Comedy Central, it's America's only source for news. This is The Daily Show with your host, John Stewart. I got to tell you something. These uh, folks who work here at The Daily Show are making me look zaddy. (laughs) Sorry. Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm your host, John Stewart, captain of this dying medium. (laughs) Why would you even say that to me? What a gentleman tell me tonight. He said, uh, oh, I'm so happy to be here. You know your television is dying. (laughs) I said, "I I am aware. And in fact, I'm contributing to it. You're welcome. Uh, I did have such a good time last week doing the program. And, uh, and then everybody at uh, Comedy Central was like, oh, what are you going to do this week? And I was like, wait, this week? I, I did already. I did it Monday. What am I, a cyborg? Come on. But I don't mind because, quite frankly, the response to the first show last Monday was universally glowing. John Stewart is facing massive backlash from Democrats over his comments about Joe Biden. Oberman tweeted, Well, after nine years away, there's nothing else to say to the both sides fraud John Stewart bashing Biden except please make it another nine years. Christy Jackson tweeted, Sorry, but I won't be watching you either. Okay. Maybe not universal. But that was on Twitter. Everything on Twitter gets a backlash. I've seen Twitter tell Labradoodles to go f- themselves. Apperdoodles. I just think it's better to deal head on with what's an apparent issue to people. I mean, we're just, we're just talking here. And Mary Trump tweeting, not only is Stewart's both sides are the same rhetoric not funny, it's a potential disaster for democracy. It's one f***ing show! It was just one f***ing show! It was 20 minutes! I did 20 minutes of one f***ing show! But I guess as the famous saying goes, democracy dies in discussion. (laughs) But look, 
have sinned against you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was never my intention to say out loud what I saw with my eyes and then brain. <laughs> I can do better. I can have learning. I can have it. But I don't even know where to start with that. Where do I go to study the particulars of unquestioning propaganda? I would need mentorship. We're in Moscow tonight. We're here to interview the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. Saints be praised. <laughs> For Professor Tucker, Aloysius Mayflower, Kenny Bumpsport, Batgammon Carlson III. <laughs> has arrived. <laughs> Professor, tell me, what is step one in delivering world-class fealty to power? Here's why we're doing it. First, because it's our job. We're in journalism. Lie about what your job is. We're in journalism. Our duty is to inform people. Lie about what your duty is. Americans have a right to know all they can about a war they're implicated in. Freedom of speech is our birthright. We were born with the right to say what we believe. Oh, shit. <laughs> Kudos, sensei. That was deep. I have much to learn. Disguise your deception and capitulation to power as noble and moral <laughs> and based in freedom. Yes, master. Uh, just out of curiosity, uh, as a student, when you're sitting there interviewing Putin and you don't plan to challenge his utter bullshit, but you don't want to really be that obvious, what do you do with your face? <laughs> Oh, I see. Uh, okay, so it's not really a straight face uh, as much as you try to convey a mixture of what appears to be shame, arousal, and I'm gonna say irregularity. For instance, uh, like you're constipated while jerking off to a Sears catalog. Been there, haven't you? The guy up there saying, like, well, the lingerie ads were. Now, obviously, uh, uh, Tucker's strategy is going to work when there's some ambiguity in what Putin says. But what if Putin starts saying shit like, World War II was Poland's fault because they forced Hitler to invade them? I mean, what do you do with something like that? That's going to be hard. After World War I, this territory was transferred to Poland, and instead of Danzig, a city of Dansk emerged. Hitler asked them to give it amicably, but they refused. Of course. Of course! You know, it's so hard to do when your face says, what the f***? And your mouth says, of course, it's, it's a... <laughs> so hard to hold, how do you, all right. How do you do that? By the way, Poland started World War II? Why would a country whose Navy has submarines with screen doors want to instigate a war? 
history lesson. <laughs> Years ago, for reasons nobody is really sure of, a stereotype emerged that Polish people were inept in various ways, including, obviously, submarine manufacturing, and even something as simple as the changing of a light bulb. I don't know actually how many Polish people you think it takes to change a light bulb, but it's certainly less than the conventional wisdom at that time would tell you. Now, we know that Polish people are as smart as anyone and certainly did not deserve to be invaded by the Germans, who, of course, accomplished that by marching in backwards, so the Poles thought they were leaving. <laughs> well... <laughs> I'd like to give you a little bit of dumb. Well, this has been an incredible primer into the delicate dance of speaking, of course, to power. <laughs> Tell me, Tucker, does this masterclass include field trips? How does Russia have a subway station that normal people use to get to work and home every single day that's nicer than anything in our country? There's no graffiti, there's no filth, there's no foul smells. <laughs> that's a f nice subway. That's a very... <laughs> Although, to be fair to the New York City system, uh, it was constructed in 1904 out of urinal cakes <laughs> by the great engineer Giuseppe Pisa Everywhere. <laughs> but point taken, it's a very nice subway. But the subway, that's only one thing. So we thought it would be interesting to take a look at a contemporary, modern-day, 2024 Russian grocery store. Ooh. Go on. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So I guess you put in 10 rubles here and you get it back when you put the cart back. So it's free, but there's an incentive to return it and not just bring it to your homeless encampment. I know I've said this before. You're such a dick. <laughs> Truly, like, a dick. I didn't realize America's homeless problem is caused entirely by easy access to grocery carts. <laughs> I had all my stuff in my house, uh, but I didn't know I could just put it on wheels. It's so much easier. This is the uh, grocery cart escalator. This is designed, I'm figuring this out now, where the wheels don't move, they lock on the grocery cart escalator. Look, Ma, no hands. Oh, oh, okay, okay, Forrest. <laughs> An escalator for the grocery cart, and the doors open automatically. Oh, Mother Russia. Russia is famous for its bread, which is one thing I can assess pretty well. Look at that. It's fresh, too. Look at that. Oh, come on. Mm. <laughs> The guy really likes bread. Uh, I hate to think what would have happened if he had found a bagel. But hey, 
if being a free speech warrior means you have to bang the occasional sourdough, <laughs> not strovia. But our time is limited. Could you drive home the purpose of your deception on this trip in the most cynical way possible, please? We didn't pay any attention to cost as we were just putting in the car where we would actually eat over a week. And we all came in around 400 bucks, about 400 bucks. Um, it was $104 US here. And coming to a Russian grocery store, the heart of evil, and seeing what things cost and how people live, it will radicalize you against our leaders. That's how I feel anyway, radicalized. Radicalized. And it will radicalize you unless you understand basic economics. See, $104 for groceries sounds like a great bargain unless you realize Russians earn less than $200 a week. But that's the kind of context that a, what did you call yourself earlier? A journalist would have provided. But here's the reality. You f***ing know all this because you aren't as dumb as your face would have us believe. Perhaps if your handlers had allowed, you would have seen there is a hidden fee to your cheap groceries and orderly streets. Ask Alexei Navalny or any of his supporters. In Vladimir Putin's Russia, political repression is everywhere. And hundreds have been arrested for daring to honor Navalny so publicly. Right. Because the difference between our urinal caked chaotic subways and your candelabra beautiful subways is the literal price of freedom. But the goal that Carlson and his ilk are pushing is that there's really no difference between our systems. In fact, theirs might be a little bit better. The question is, why? Why is Tucker doing this? Here's why. It's because the old civilizational battle was communism versus capitalism. That what drove the world since World War II. Russia was the enemy then. But now they think the battle is woke versus unwoke. And in that fight, Putin is an ally to the right. He's their friend. Unfortunately, he is also a brutal and ruthless dictator. So now they have to make Americans a little more comfortable with that. I mean, liberty is nice, but have you seen Russia's shopping carts? <laughs> and Tucker would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling assassins. In a statement to the New York Times, Carlson said, quote, it is horrifying what happened to Navalny. The whole thing is barbaric and awful. No decent person would defend it. Correct. No decent person would. For more on, oh, please enjoy your car. For more on Tucker Carlson's interview with Putin. We turn to our own Michael Costa. Michael, how... Michael, let's go. Michael, first of all, what an unbelievably embarrassing display of sycophancy from Tucker Carlson. Yeah, well, I'm not sure what that means, John, so I'm going to assume you loved it as much as I did. It made me think that these dictatorships have gotten a bad rap, which is why I've traveled here to North Korea, and as you can see, it's amazing. Looks, it looks like you're in a, a candy store. Well, I am, but this is what the entire country looks like, I'm told. 
It's a paradise of chocolate bars and sugar canes. I mean, John, check this out. This bucket of gummy worms here in Pyongyang, it costs a nickel. Do you have any idea how much this would cost me in the so-called United States? I don't know, like 20 bucks, I guess. Is that... Yeah, 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 yeah. And who can afford that besides capitalistic American pedophiles, okay? And just, <laughs> and, and just look at the technology they have here, John. Check out this amazing contraption. You put, okay, you put a quarter. And look what comes out, a gumball. Oh. <laughs> Death to America, John. You need to come home, Michael. Okay, well, I'd like to, John, but unfortunately, I renounced my citizenship in exchange for these gummy worms. Now, look, they made them sour on the outside, and on the inside, they're sweet. And until America comes up with that, all right, how, how do we say goodbye in our language? Michael Costa, everybody. Michael! When we come back, Melissa Murray and Kate Shaw will be joining me. Don't go away. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is our podcast for The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Uh, Becca, how long have you been producing this podcast? I've been producing this podcast for two years now. And your favorite thing about it? The extended moments, for sure. Right, because sometimes I'll interview like a big star for 25 minutes. We can only put like 14 minutes on air. Where can people get that? On The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert, wherever you get your podcasts. And who produces that? Uh, I, I help out. It's a team effort. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guests tonight, oh, I love them so much. They're law professors and constitutional experts, elitist, who co-host the podcast about the Supreme Court called Strict Scrutiny. Please welcome to the program Melissa Murray and Kate Shaw. Please. So you have a third, Leah Littman, who couldn't be here because of the uh, delicate configurations of our desk. We would have loved to have uh, Leah be here as well, but she's in California, and so uh, I didn't want to let that pass. Uh, I want to start with you guys as a simple question. John Oliver has offered Clarence Thomas a Winnebago and a million dollars a year to, and this is his words, not mine, get the f*** off the Supreme Court. Uh, will, in your, your court watchers, your experts on uh, the Supreme Court, will he accept this offer? I, I think this is a Harlan Crow counteroffer opportunity. You believe that his yeah. benefactor is going to have to counter, but what do you counter with? It's a beautiful Winnebago and a million dollars a year. Is there anything else to life? Not if you enjoy spending time in the parking lots of Walmart, as Justice Thomas I suggests. Do. He says he does, but apparently he likes to quail hunt in a robe. Uh, I want to ask you, there's a, a strategy that's starting to bubble up, which is getting Americans comfortable with authoritarianism and getting us to not think critically about the differences between a free society and not a free society. And in that regard, they are starting to paint Trump as Navalny that the trials that he is facing in America are similar 
or the same to as what Putin did to Navalny. Please explain to me why that's horseshit. <laughs> well, we are not experts in Russian criminal procedure, but I think it's safe to say that Donald Trump is likely receiving more procedural protections right now in the four criminal indictments that he is currently subject to than Alexei Navalny had in his time in Russia. So I think this is not the same situation. Would you say that he, Donald Trump has actually received doer process than most people in America? I mean, this guy is clearly on the platinum due process plan. Like he, yeah, he's, he's the Harlan Crow due process the plan. The Harlan Crow due yes. process. Like he's, he's getting every the uh, doest of process. The doest yes, of processes. Yes. So how is this even uh, uh, comparable? It's not at all comparable. And, and I do think it is interesting, as your last segment made clear, that Trump is adverting to the situation in Russia right now and invoking Navalny. Um, and I think that it's right to draw comparisons right now, but of course the casting is all wrong. Right now, in the arguments that Trump is making in some of the pending criminal cases against him, he is essentially casting himself as above and beyond the law. And, you know, we're essentially seeing what well, head saying of state presidents should have complete and total immunity because yeah. if you can't kill people then what fun well this was actually a hypothetical that came up in the lower federal court uh, argument mm -hmm. in this immunity case trump's lawyer was asked so you're saying that a president could order seal team six to assassinate a political rival and the criminal law couldn't get him for that sounds familiar it well, does. it was, yeah. and Trump's lawyer basically said, unless he's been impeached and convicted first, the criminal laws can't by the touch Senate him. in a political process. Right, so you have to go. So our criminal that. laws are suspended that's, for the president. That's a didn't we fight saying. a war about that? Well, we, we not only fought a war, but our whole constitutional structure is designed to prevent consolidations of power within the presidency. Checks and balances. Exactly, and so this whole idea. <laughs> You get, you get an A in our constitutional law classes, John. Class con law. But I mean, what Kate is describing is essentially very authoritarian forward. I mean, the, the person that Donald Trump is is not Alexei Navalny. It's Vladimir Putin. Right. That's who he wants to be. That's who he ad admires. But in, in our judicial system's defense, in my mind, over these past few years, it was one of the few institutions in America that actually held pretty strong. And you are frowning at me. <laughs> you disagree with this. So, well, on our podcast, we take different roles. Kate is, I think, much more amenable to your position. I, I think I think... Hold on one second. Okay, you I'm talk. talk to Kate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 explain. Like, I, like, there's something to yeah. this. I do think that there is a way in which courts really did stand as a bulwark against some of Trump's worst instincts and impulses while he was in office. And even since, you know, 60-plus lawsuits he filed around the 2020 election, all unsuccessful. Right. He argued for different versions of immunity in civil and criminal cases previously. Those have been unsuccessful essentially throughout. But we are in a real test moment of that proposition in that the Supreme Court is right now facing this question of whether he will ever stand trial for the January 6th events. But and, this and is, I don't if know they grant him blanket immunity, we don't have a, a, a republic anymore. We don't have a constitutional republic. If the head of it has a, a immunity, the thing I liked about what the courts did is they set a standard of evidence. Anybody can say whatever they want on a, a basic cable show, <laughs> wherever they go, or at a rally or anything else. But when you bring it into a court, as Giuliani famously said, no, we don't have any evidence, but we got lots of theories, and they threw him out. Okay, so... That just suggests that the bar is in hell, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course the courts are a bulwark against the most totalitarian impulses in our society, but we forget that the court system we have, the Supreme Court we have, right. 
the debates we're having about the Supreme Court are all right now the product of what Donald Trump did. Like, this is a person who was not elected by the popular You're saying vote. these questions would have been utterly unimaginable in previous times. We are times. right now debating whether or not in the next presidential term we are going to see a national ban on abortion. We wouldn't be having that discussion if Donald Trump's 6-3 to three conservative supermajority had not rolled back Roe versus Wade. We wouldn't have that discussion at all. Right. So he's or the immunity discussion or anything all else. All of this. He has created the conditions for the way we talk about this court. And that's the thing that ultimately is at stake in all this. I want to thank you guys so much for uh, coming on. You're fabulous. Check out their podcast, please. Strict Scrutiny. New episodes drop on Mondays. It's a fine day to drop them. Uh, <laughs> Melissa Murray and Kate Shaw, we'll be right back. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is our podcast for The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Uh, Becca, how long have you been producing this podcast? I've been producing this podcast for two years now. And your favorite thing about it? The extended moments, for sure. Right, because sometimes I'll interview like a big star for 25 minutes. We can only put like 14 minutes on air. Where can people get that? On The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert, wherever you get your podcasts. And who produces that? Uh, I, I help out. It's a team effort. Hey, everybody, that's our show for tonight. Before we go, we want to check in with your host for the rest of this week, Desi Lydic. Desi! Yeah. What do you got cooking? What, what stories is the show going to be covering this uh, week? Well, John, we'll be following the news out of SneakerCon, where Donald Trump has just debuted his snazzy golden sneakers. Nice. Yeah, an American treasure made in China. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and not to be outdone, the Democrats have announced a new line of limited edition Joe Biden f- me pumps. I got to tell you. I, I think he's going to look incredible in those. So. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Thank you so much, Desi. Here it is. We'll see Desi tomorrow. Here's your moment to end. Because I honestly thought he was going to be aggressive and ask these so-called tough questions. So frankly, I did not fully enjoy the interview. Explore more shows from The Daily Show podcast universe by searching The Daily Show wherever you get your podcasts. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is our podcast for The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Uh, Becca, how long have you been producing this podcast? I've been producing this podcast for two years now. And your favorite thing about it? The extended moments, for sure. Right, because sometimes I'll interview like a big star for 25 minutes. We can only put like 14 minutes on air. Where can people get that? On The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert, wherever you get your podcasts. And who produces that? Uh, I, I help out. It's a team effort.